Hi there. Welcome to the Kelly Cotrera podcast for September 9th. It's a Wednesday. Well, things are heating up in the court battle between Apple and Fortnite creator Epic Games. Adam Oldfield will tell us why this case is precedent setting for app developers. And if you had a trip canceled because of COVID-19, you will want to stay tuned to the podcast. But first, it is game day for the Raptors. Do or die. Game six against the Celtics. Tip off at 630. I'd like to welcome on to the program because, frankly, he knows more about sports than I could ever know. Rick Zamprin, friend of the show and our CHML sister station, a sports director. Welcome to the show. Always a pleasure to have you on, Rick. Great to be on again. Thanks. I'm going to play a clip from Nick Nurse responding to uh, the walking boot that Serge Ibaka was wearing and how they plan on handling that in Game 6. You know, we'll, we'll certainly wait and see there, Michael. But, you know, just like always, we go to the next guy. don't know who that is yet. We've obviously played Chris Boucher some in this series. Could be could be Rondé. Could be, could be somebody else. But uh, we'll just wait and see on that. But, you know, same as always, if he's there, we will play him. I think there's a good chance of that. If he's not, then we'll move on to the next guy and see if we can get him ready to go. Maybe I'm reading into things here, Rick, but Nick Nurse's tone sounds different, sounds slightly almost defeated. Yeah, I, I can see how you can think that. Certainly he's not, you know, gung-ho uh, because, you know, he's talking about a key player who may not be able to suit up for tonight's, you know, do or die must win game. You know, if they, they lose tonight, the party's over. They're out of the bubble. They're out of the playoffs. Their reign as, uh, you know, NBA champions is over. But he might also, knowing Nick Nurse a little bit, he might also be playing a little bit of possum because maybe mm-hmm. he has some knowledge that Abaka is going to be okay after he suffered a sprained ankle on Monday night. Uh, he is, at last check, questionable for uh, game six. Uh, he was in a walking boot on Tuesday, so that's never a good sign. But, you know, Abaka is a warrior. He's, he's battled through injuries before. Yes, it's an ankle. He is a big guy. It is, uh, you know, unbelievably difficult when you're a bigger individual, when you have, you know, those lower body injuries to, you know, fight through uh, a playoff game, let alone a regular season game, because the intensity is that much more. I, I think Abaka is going to do his best to try it out in the pregame warmups. And uh, I think... Nurse has enough confidence in him and has enough trust in Ibaka uh, that he'll say, Serge, if you can go, let's do it. And if not, you know, we have some other options. It would be a shame not to see him, not just because he's the Raptors' best-looking player, but in my humble opinion. Um, <laughs> but it, he, he is a great player. What, who could replace him? Who could come through? You know, it was a big shoes because, you know, Serge has been probably the best player off the bench for the Raptors, not only, you know, during the playoffs or in the bubble, but, you know, all season long. He's just, you know, he's a guy who can hit the mid-range and long-range shot. He is a, you know, a, a force down low in terms of rebounds and, you know, getting those tip-in buckets. Uh, he's a team leader. You know, he's been around the league for a while. So, I mean, that's that's a lot to replace just talent-wise, you know, in, in the locker room. You know, he's got a voice that other players will congregate to. You know, him and Cal Lowry and Marcus All, they've been around the block. They've, you know, won some big games. They've lost some big games. So it's going to be tough. Chris Boucher has been really good, uh, you know, Canadian guy who we all, you know, like to get behind and, and cheer for. You know, he's got some length to his game. He's uh, a lot quicker than Serge will ever be. But the fact of the matter is, there are two different players. You know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is another guy who, you know, has the ability to come off the bench and score some key points and play some good defense. So I think those are the two guys that, 
if Serge Ibaka can't go tonight, Nick Nurse is going to look to to say, we need you guys tonight. Uh, we need a combo effort to, uh, to live for another day. Is Gasol super important to tonight's game? I mean, uh, Nick Nurse says he's got to bring at least 25% more. Yeah, you know what? Marc Gasol is just not scoring the way that he would probably like to. He's not getting a lot of looks. And when he does get the looks, you know, it's at the top of the three-point line. And, you know, the fact of the matter is he's not the three-point shooter that he has been in the past. He still plays some great defense. Let's not kid ourselves. He's still a force in the paint. He moves guys around. He gets big rebounds. He gets big stops. So Marcus Gasol, yes, he's got to bring it a little more on the other side of the court. But he is such a tremendous asset defensively that, you know, Nick Nurse is certainly pleased with that aspect. If he can chip in a few more points, if he can get into double digits, 12, maybe 15 points if he gets a hot hand, uh, that'll be a huge plus. Yeah, he drove me crazy last year during the playoffs. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, you know, I'm a bandwagon jumper. But Gasol, I'm like, I, I found myself out loud saying, why would you try and take that shot? You're not a three-point man. I mean, the, the amount that he missed last season of three-pointers, it was just painful to watch. Yeah, and you know what? you got to give credit sometimes to the other teams, too, because they know that as well. So they will double-team a Kyle Lowry or a Norm Powell mm-hmm. or a Pascal Siakam or you know one of the, the hot hands that the Raptors will have, a Fred Van Vliet. And they know that, hey, they can leave Gasol at the top of the three-point line. Uh, they'll have to pay attention to him when he's in the paint or down low. But, uh, yeah, the fact of the matter is he's not a scorer uh, like he once was. And teams will kind of play, you know, strategize, their scheme, their defensive system around that fact. All right. The strategy for the Celtics was to come out hot in the first period and keep it up through the game in uh, game five. Can the Raptors come out with more energy and really give them uh, a, a fight in the in the first uh, quarter of tonight's game? What are your thoughts well, on that? I, you know what? This, this series has been a weird one because the Raptors have played really two bad games in the bubble, and they just happen to be in, both in this series. Certainly the last game, they just came out with, you know, not a lot of energy and they just weren't hitting their shots. And it was almost a mirror image of game one where Boston just blew Toronto's doors away. Game two, I like the Raptors response. Certainly they play great in game three. I'm expecting a little bit closer from the Raps point of view to what we saw in game two and three, not only with the effort, but with the shooting. Whenever it seems like their season or a game is on the line, guys have stepped up. So I'm looking at the Lowry's and the Van Vliet's in particular, two guys who have really brought it. You know, I haven't even mentioned OG Ananobi, and he's been fantastic mm-hmm. all playoff long. So these are the key players that have to bring it tonight. And if they start off well, like they did in Game 2, certainly like they did in Game 3, I like Toronto's chances because they play good defense. However, Boston, man, they are just shooting the lights out, whether it's Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, you go down the list, uh, Tatum, uh, Tice, they just have been on point all series long. They haven't had really a lot of downs. The Raptors have had, but Boston's been really steady all series. They're going to be tough, a tough uh, out tonight. All right. Well, Rick, hopefully it's uh, good news by uh, the end of the game or tomorrow morning is going to be a tough one for Raptors fans. I want to thank you for your time today, as always. You got it. Hopefully we can talk about a game seven. Yeah, here's, uh, I'll keep the fingers crossed. Rick Zampernard, CHML Sports Director. Thanks so much, Rick. Have a great day. Thank you, you too. Apple is seeking damages from Fortnite creator Epic Games in this, well, I think it's an epic court case, really. Adam Oldfield joins us. He's our 60, 640 Toronto uh, tech reporter. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for having me. 
So this legal battle we've talked about before, it's between Apple and Fortnite, and it's been going on since August. Can you refresh us, like refresh our memory on how this battle royale started? Absolutely. It started off with Fortnite setting the precedence that they weren't happy with the commissions that Apple charges through its app program. Now, Fortnite makes a lot of money inside the games where people are able to buy upgrades and purchase uh, additional features within the game. Um, in addition, they've offered a, it's called Unreal Engine, and that is the programming that is available for many app developers through Apple, which they're using for other games people are purchasing and, and utilizing. Every time someone buys an app, uh, 30% of those purchases, including upgrades of 30%, are going back to Apple's coffers. Epic Games had said this is unprecedented, it's not fair, and as such, we challenge Apple that the percent they're taking from application developers is unfair, and therefore, we want it removed. We want to be able to say, people want to buy, I don't know, an extra gun, a special outfit, whatever that upgrade is, $1.99, $2, whatever, it needs to be uh, at the full revenue of that game developer. Apple's saying, no, that's not the way our rules work. Anything you use on our platform, Apple, iPad, iPhone, needs to get 30% of the revenue. It's a commission. So this is all about money. What makes it earth-shattering, other than just two companies arguing over how much they make, is the fact that Epic is taking it to court, and they're bringing a $2 trillion company to the forefront in the court system. And if and when this escalates to a decision with a judge, it's going to set precedence for all app development in the future. All platforms for Apple, Sony, uh, Xbox, all of them are going to probably have to use this as a superior case course or uh, uh, class action class uh, suit is going to set the precedence of it all. So it's, okay. it's very, very big. Let me ask you this, though. It, you know, it sounds like a David and Goliath story, but Fortnite's no David, aren't they? Don't they have like one of the biggest, uh, like as, as far as uh, people that are playing that game, aren't they one of the most popular uh, games on the globe? And is it true that it's free? Uh, well, they're a $500 billion company, so right. it's free. It's a free, they call it freemium, which means you get yeah. to actually download it to start. And as you get kind of hooked with it, you can now, you know, pay for upgrades. Um, so that's the element that is sort of the debate or the argument on it. Now, when you want to play it on other platforms, you can now purchase uh, other features or islands or however many different scenarios you'll be able to get involved with. So to answer your question, David and Goliath, yes. So, I mean, two trillion billion versus a 500 billion is sounds like it's it's no uh you know uh salami shop deli shop on the corner of main street going up against right. the city of uh, toronto but at the end of the day it's in the same equal ability they have the resources and the revenue to support it and honestly i think we're going to see a lot of developers online there's 1.8 million Kelly, developers on Apple's platform right now. And I assure you that there's about 1.6 million of them at minimum that are going, hey, Epic, keep up the good work. So right. it's setting that opportunity for those smaller developers to be able to be competitive. So this is a big challenge. 1.8 million uh, in an atmosphere ecosystem for a small independent developer, uh, a startup in Toronto trying to come up with a game, come up, whatever, or a product uh, online has to give 30% to Apple. If this course case goes through and the judge rules in favor of epic games there uh, and by the way the argument i hear is they want to drop it down to less than 15 percent so which is 
you know, still a lot of, of money. what Apple's taking. Right, but it's still a lot of money at the end of the day if they're one of the most popular games on the globe. Let me ask you this, for for people that are ignorant like myself, and hey, it's because we have other things to do rather than play video games. But I get it. It's it's important to know about what's going on in the world, and that's why we're talking about this. But why wouldn't Fortnite just say to Apple, I don't need you. I'm just going to... I'm going to make myself available on other platforms. Is it because if you had an Apple product, that means you couldn't download them to your Apple product? Is that the problem? Well, there's two issues. One is what you just said. Yes, you'd have to jailbreak your iPhone and iPad, which isn't getting easy to do with the new upgrades that are coming out. So you'd have to bypass the current operating system and then be able to load this third-party app onto your iPhone. That's the first one. The bigger one, though, is Unreal Engine, which is a program that Epic Games developed. It's, it's more or less what makes the, the people run around. You see the graphics in the cities and the guns and whatever that interaction you're watching. That That's what Epic Games is using or sharing with many other game developers. So they've come up with this program. That's what Apple has. That's the big kerfuffle right now is that all these smaller developers are now being punished by Epic Games court case. So if some small developer was creating this fun little, uh, you know, Qbert uh, version of game and it was using their program, they were no longer also allowed to use Apple. So wow. it's not just a matter of being able to jump into another platform. They have millions of users. There's over 2 billion users on Apple right now using their programs. So okay. that is going to hurt. Yeah, yesterday Apple filed a counterclaim against Epic Games. In 30 seconds or less, can you tell us why this is important and a little bit about that? Apple's trying to make the game, trying to set their standards of this is the rules. We're following contract law. We, if they didn't countersue, their whole reason is to say then everything we have in contract is not valid. So Apple is standing its ground saying if we, we need to uh, uh, follow by the contractual rules that we've set. If you're going to follow the Apple Play uh, book, you're going to have to play by our rules. And they're going to need a countersuit to be able to stand that ground. Otherwise, it does open up a big can of worms for all app developers on Apple's platform. And this is uh, a big deal. This is going to be one of those precedent-setting court cases. I expect it's going to go on for quite a while now. Oh, this is years in the making. But when this decision comes down, Kelly, I can tell you this. It will alter the future development of any program that goes on Apple's platform. And if it rules against Apple, this could put Google platform in a whole new ballgame. People may be literally looking at Apple going, do I really want to use this plat- the uh-huh. iPhones and the iPads? It's going to really challenge a lot of decisions in the future. That's interesting. So it'll challenge your hardware choice as well. Thank you so much, Adam. It's always a pleasure having you on and making sense of some of these topics. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Have a great day. day. Cheers. Adam Oldfield, 640 Toronto tech expert. All right, listen up. If you had to cancel any travel plans because of COVID-19 and you're still waiting for a refund or unhappy with how your uh, insurance provider has treated you, then this story will interest you. Sam Fuhrer to Markin Law Firm has launched a national class action lawsuit against TD over its refusal to pay travel insurance claims across Canada following trip cancellations due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Here to talk about it, insurance lawyer, co-founding partner at Sam Fuhrer to Markin and host of the Disability Law Show on 640 Toronto, Savan to Markin. Welcome, Savan. Thanks, Kelly. Great to be with you. So maybe get us uh, sorted here on what the basis of your class action lawsuit is. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the basis is that people, as a result of the COVID pandemic, have had to cancel their trips across the country. This is completely unprecedented. 
and they put in their travel insurance claim. And many people have travel insurance through their credit cards, you know, be a TD, Scotia, RBC, or whatnot, as well as regular insurance companies that they've had uh, travel insurance with. And what they've been getting are denials, but the denials, many of them that I have seen are not valid. Essentially, these insurance companies, many of them are saying that because you are being offered a credit or a voucher for, for a flight, for a cruise, for a resort, that somehow disentitles you to reimbursement under the travel insurance policy. And when I've looked at those travel insurance policies, many of them, you, you know, you have to look at the wording. Insurance companies can't just say that you're not entitled to reimbursement. They have to uh, uh, tell you where in the policy you are not entitled to compensation. And in that TD case that we have launched now, it is plain as day that the insurance company has no legal leg to stand on. They should be reimbursing everyone that have made these kinds of claims that have had eligible expenses that have now been wasted away. Uh, they should be reimbursed. That's what this claim is about. One of the things that you brought up, and I think it's interesting, is that some people have booked on their travel visas. And my husband and I, funnily enough, use the TD travel visa. That's that's what we use. And, and whenever I say, should we buy, buy cancellation insurance? He's like, it's already in there. It's already yeah. in, uh, in the agreement. So what are you finding as far as people that are awful, offered settlements, which would be vouchers, are doing? Are a lot of people taking these vouchers? And if you do that, does that nullify your ability to go and get uh, other compensation? Uh, well, no, it does not in many instances. And again, we have to look at each individual policy, uh, you know, individually. And, and this class action against TD deals with the, the TD uh, infinite card travel insurance policy. Any, and, and by the way, since the story broke, I've been contacted by countless people across the country with the exact same issue. Now, look, if you have uh, a, a travel insurance claim, you've canceled your trip as a result of COVID or any other reason, and you've been offered a voucher or a credit, that's great, except that th these are not normal times. You know, who's to know if, if these cruise companies are going to be in business next year? This is all speculative now. But regardless, even if this, these were normal times, the only way an insurance company can avoid paying you for a trip cancellation claim is either if your expenses are not uh, eligible, meaning, for example, that you haven't paid in full for those expenses before uh, you, you, you have made that claim, or if you are not covered for any reason, right? When you make one of these claims, you have to show that it's a covered cause. And one of the covered causes of many of these policies is that the government has issued travel advisories. Well, in March, the government of Canada issued level three and level four travel advisories to Italy, for example, and to other locations. So, so clearly many people are entitled to this compensation, but they don't know what to do. And one of the problems is that you're not dealing with huge sums of money on an individual basis. You're dealing with $2,000, $1,000, So it's very impractical for individuals to hire legal representation to go after these insurance companies. And this is why a class action makes the most sense. All right. So tell us about the lead plaintiff and, and what uh, they are arguing. Well, Kevin Lyons bought a, a trip. It was a 12-day trip. He was set to depart to Italy on March 6th. They had a cruise booked out of Cicatevecchia, which is just north of Rome, uh, departing on, on March 8th. And, you know, this is around the time when the global pandemic really, uh, you know, had wind in its sails. The government of Canada started issuing various advisories with respect to cruise ships, northern parts of Italy, etc., and what Kevin did, which was very prudent, he advises insurer that he's canceling the trip. I mean, he, he was set to go right into the eye of the storm to Italy. And, uh, you know, 
to boot, by the way, one of his teenage daughters is a leukemia survivor. And so the family doctor actually suggested and recommended that they do not go. So he advises the insurance company, TD. Uh, he submits a claim subsequently with a letter from the doctor, in fact. And initially, initially, he receives a denial. And the denial actually says that at the time that he canceled his trip, there was no level three or four advisory, which is completely wrong. And, and so then he came to me and I communicated with, with the insurer. And uh, I was communicating with someone who actually said, no, we made a mistake. Actually, there was a level three or level four, but guess what? He was offered a credit or a voucher for his cruise line, for his airfare, uh, and so therefore he's precluded from claiming compensation. And I asked this individual I was communicating with, I said, show me where in the policy he's disentitled to it. Look, you cannot simply say he's not allowed to get compensation. You have to show me where in the policy it specifically says he cannot get compensation when he's made that application for trip cancellation, which is valid. And she showed me the provisions, and the provisions say nothing about a credit or a voucher disentitling you as a claimant to compensation. And so that's the basis for this class action. But again, Kelly, I have been speaking with countless individuals throughout the entire week and in the past few months across the country dealing with a whole slew of insurers who are taking that exact position, which is wrong. Okay, so if uh, you've had to cancel anything because of COVID-19, a trip, and even if you've received a a travel voucher, a travel credit, you're still suggesting that people reach out to you if they've been denied their travel insurance claims by their insurer? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you look at the policy, whenever someone contacts me, I tell them I need to see the denial letter. I need to see what the insurance company's position is. And I need to see the travel insurance policy. And, you know, people can do this on their own, by the way. If you've been denied on this basis, uh, uh, look at your travel insurance policy. It's often online. And and just scroll down under trip cancellation and take a look. If it says that you do not get reimbursed if you you receive a – or if you're offered a credit or voucher, well, then the insurance company is correct. But if it doesn't say that, well, then you should be reimbursed. The insurance company cannot say – that you don't get the money unless the insurance company gives them the right to say it. That's my point. So absolutely, I'm happy to speak to anyone, but people can actually do this on their own as well. And if their travel insurance companies are the same as TD, where they don't talk about credits and vouchers, and the insurance company still denies their payment, I'll be more than happy to speak with them. So um, this this class action lawsuit is against TD uh, Bank uh, Travel Insurance. Um, can anybody, uh, so does that mean you have to be with TD Bank to get involved in this class action lawsuit? That's an excellent question. Um, we are dealing right now in this class action with people who were insured under a TD, under TD insurance. So it's a division of okay. TD Bank. But, but you know, I'm, I'm speaking with people who are insured with Scotia and people who are insured with CAA and Manulife. And a lot of people are coming to me with the exact same issues. The actual class action that we've launched is specifically with TD. So it's only if you've been denied by TD insurance for a travel insurance claim that we could potentially help you with this class action. But that doesn't mean we can't help you with other scenarios with other insurance companies. Is your hope that this win, if you get a win here for your client and the other clients in the class action lawsuit, that this will be precedent setting and cause other insurers to fall in line and do what's right and give people a credit or not a credit, rather the refund? Yeah, 100%. And I'll tell you more than this, Kelly. First of all, class actions like this, have been initiated in the States as well. This is not exclusive to Canada. But here's the thing, you know, people have been talking about Air Canada, for example, or other airlines offering credit as opposed to reimbursement. Whether you agree or not, I think there is a consensus that if 
these airlines had to reimburse everything they could potentially collapse. Insurance companies are, are in a unique position in that they insure this kind of risk. They, they've received premiums. You know, if you pay your credit card charges, you've paid for this risk. Now, they simply don't want to pay. They understand that this is unprecedented. They understand they have claims across the country. They don't want to pay. So insurance companies should be doing the right thing. And actually, frankly, you know, leaving the legalities aside, I would be hoping that the government steps in. I mean, this is protecting the public. You've mentioned a couple times that you've said to representatives, show me where that says that in the policy. Are we going to, as a result of this class action lawsuit, do you think we're going to see insurers going to their policy, to the fine print and rewriting policies moving forward to clarify, um, you know, who will get credits, who will get vouchers if and when something like this happens again? Yes, I, I do think that. And I think it's in various contexts. You know, we've had class actions launched in Canada for business interruption, right? Businesses like dentists, for example, who've had to shut down their businesses because of uh, uh, the, you know, the lockdown. And I do think insurance companies are going to react to this, which is okay. Nothing is wrong with that as long as people are aware of what the exclusions and restrictions are. My problem is not with the insurance company you know, rewriting their contracts to make sure they're more specific. My problem is that insurance companies have an obligation to pay here and they are skirting that obligation to the detriment of literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of individuals, you know, who, who are losing a lot of money. I mean, look, $5,000 for an insurance company is peanuts. But for you and I and everyone else, it's a lot of money. So, so yes, I think insurance companies are going to be reacting to this, which I have no issue with. I just want them to pay what is owed, no more and no less. Yeah, you want them to stand up to their side of the deal. Savan, yeah. uh, if people want to get involved in this class action lawsuit, how, it, how do they reach out and contact you? Uh, they can go to our website, stlawyers.ca. We have information about this. Uh, they can contact me directly at Sivan, S-I-V-A-N, at stlawyers.ca. Uh, but, you know, really, this TV class action has now been, been sort of blown open. So if you just Google my name, Sivan Tamarkin, you'll get a hold of me and, and I'll be more than happy to speak with you. Amazing. You're a busy guy, so I appreciate the time that you've spent with us this morning. Thank you so much, Savan. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Don't forget, Savan Tamarkin is also the host of the Disability Law Show on 640 Toronto. Thanks for tuning in to the Kelly Cotrera Show podcast. You can hear us live between 9 and noon, Monday through Friday, on Global News Radio. Have a great day.